But go to 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Hallelujah. I believe this is one of the best teachings that the Lord's given me. It's what I'm sharing with you this week. Amen. Now, I know you had a lot of you hadn't heard it all yet, but, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking about what I, have, what I know of what he's given me. He's given me a lot of different teachings, a lot of different things. This is one, one of the best. One of the best. Because, uh, as we said, what is, uh, what is our biggest enemy? Some people might say, well, the devil's our biggest enemy. Well, what can the devil do to you if you believe God? Don't quit. Can he defeat you? No, he's not bigger than God. And if you believe God, the Bible said you'd always triumph. Is that right? But uh, unbelief can rob you. What can God do for somebody that won't believe him? He's limited. Is that right? And so uh, we said to you that being full of unbelief and operating in doubt is absolutely one of the worst things that could happen to you. Maybe the worst thing that could happen to you. You might think, well, that's, that's a large statement, Brother Keith. I mean, well, you know, different attacks or problems or accidents or personal problems. There's terrible things can happen. Yeah, I know, but is there anything that can happen that God can't get you out of? That God can't supply and can't heal and can't take care of and can't lead and guide and give victory over? No. But what can he do for somebody that won't believe? Unbelief limits God's activity in your life. It's about the only thing that can limit God. Because God can do anything, can he? I mean, with him, nothing's impossible. But if a person won't believe him, then, you know, God, God's limited in their life. And I'm going to show you scripture for what I just said. I'm going to show you scripture that says that. But, uh, Let's just come back to this basic principle. I mean, why are people lost and why are people saved? Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. So why are people go to hell? Because of unbelief, not believing. That's serious, isn't it? You know, there's nobody in hell today that has died and gone to hell, there's nobody there just because they were a liar or even a murderer. You understand? Or because they did bad things. And there's nobody in heaven today just because they did good things. Do you know that? No. Why are people in hell? Because they don't believe. Because they didn't believe on the Lord Jesus uh, and they didn't obey what they found, what they heard of him. They didn't receive him. Unbelief is what kept them out. And today, unbelief is what keeps people out of the blessings of God. In 1 Corinthians 10, we see that he's dealing with this subject. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. We won't read the whole thing, but he's talking about the Israelites, that first generation of Israel that was delivered out of Egyptian bondage. And in verse 5, 1 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, but with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. So how many remember, if you've read your Bible at all, God wasn't pleased with that first group. They perished out there in the wilderness, didn't they? 
Well, now what does it take to please God? Faith. Without faith, you can't please Him. So they didn't please God, so what do we know? They must not have been operating in faith. Right? So if they weren't operating in faith, what were they operating in? Unbelief and doubt. Verse 6. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil, evil things. And he goes on, said, don't lust, don't be an idolater, don't commit fornication, don't tempt Christ, don't murmur and complain. And verse 11, now all these things happened unto them, for in samples are examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. So we're given here examples of doubt and unbelief, aren't we? And we're told that what was recorded about their doubt and unbelief is recorded for us that we'd be admonished by it and instructed and taught by it. And it's an example of what? Of what not to do, right? So we're to be taught and see what they did and then see to it that we don't do what they did. Because they displeased God, they failed to inherit the blessings that were given to them. They perished in the wilderness. And God doesn't want that to happen to us, but he wants us to study what happened to them and realize that these are examples and cautions us not to let the same thing happen to us. We said to you, of course, that unbelief is the worst enemy that you have, worst thing that could happen to you because it hinders God from moving in your life. We said to you, to you we talked about two kinds of unbelief. We said that Paul talked about being, un, being uh, ignorant and doing things through unbelief because of his ignorance. Well, if you don't know something, how are you going to believe it? Right? And also, we talked about an unpersuadableness. How that, uh, uh, there's a different Greek word used over in Hebrew, Hebrews, the fourth chapter. And uh, where he talked about them not believing and not entering into the blessings of God. And that word is a word that means unpersuadableness. When it's used, when it says unbelieving or unbelief, it's not a matter that they, did, they doubted because they didn't know. No, we read that they had heard the word. God told them. God showed them things. But even though they knew it, they refused to believe. They were doubters. They knew, but they, they couldn't be persuaded. I mean, understand that this latter kind, this unpersuadableness, is more serious. It's one thing if you're doubting because you don't know. It's another thing when you know something, and in the light of experience and knowledge, you doubt. Now, nobody ever has to doubt. Do you understand that? Never. I don't care what you don't know, you can always believe that God's good and going to come through for you. Is that right? Even if you don't know some details. But what is even more serious if you doubt because of not, uh, ignorance, is when you know something, when you've experienced things, and God's moved for you repeatedly, and done things for you repeatedly, and you still doubt Him. You understand what I'm talking about? When God's proven Himself to you. Now, I mean, if you didn't know me, and you doubted whether I was faithful or whether I was a person of my word or whether I'd come through for you, well, that'd be one thing. I mean, it, wouldn't be, it would be insulting to me, wouldn't it? But I know that you don't know me, right? If you just looked at me and said, well, now, you know, I don't know. 
if Keith keep his word or not. I don't know if he'd come through or not. Well, if you don't know me, that's one. That's not, that didn't bless me. That's not going to make me happy. But, you know, at least I know you don't know me. But if I have been faithful to you, a faithful friend for decades, I mean, every time I told you I was going to do something, I did it. I came through for you. I was there for you. And that year after year, that happened. And then after that, you still doubt me. Now, see, that's a different situation, isn't it? Because, I mean, I have proven to you what kind of heart I've got. I've proven to you that I'd stick by you. I did it. I performed what I said I would do. And then if you still doubt me, then that's very serious. It's very, because you, you have no reason to doubt me, right? Because I've proven to you otherwise. Well, this is what happened with that first generation of Israelites. God proved himself to them time after time after time after time, but they still refused to believe him. They refused to, to have faith. They were unpersuadable. And because of that, they forfeited their right to the blessings God had already given them. They were disqualified from going into the promised land, and they all perished, that whole generation out in the wilderness, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. Now, we read back over in the uh, 14th chapter of Numbers. You don't have to turn there. But we read back there how that God said that he, you know, I'm paraphrasing it a little bit, but how God said, how long am I going to put up with this bunch? He said, they have tempted me these ten times. Back in Numbers, you read about it. 14, they have tempted me these 10 times, and on that 10th time, he said, that's it, that's it. Uh, you've told me you're going to die in the wilderness. You've been confessing it for all this time. It's going to happen to you just like what you said. And they were judged. How many know that this kind of unpersuadable unbelief, if it goes far enough, it'll be judged? Is that right? And as we talked and went into some detail yesterday, nobody has to doubt. There really is no excuse for doubting. Thank God there's forgiveness for it. But there's really no excuse for it. Nobody ever, I don't care what situation you're in, nobody ever has to doubt. Whether you understand that or, or not, don't, don't throw it away. Think about it. You can believe God no matter how bad it is, no matter what's going on. You can always be positive. And you can always look to God, trust Him to do right by you and be faithful and come through for you. Can't you? Oh, yeah. Particularly if He's done it before. Is that right? If He's moved... How many in here, God's moved for you more than once? He's answered prayer. He's done something for you. I don't mean once. I don't mean twice. I mean hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of times if you walk with the Lord for any length of time. Well, why should we doubt Him then? Why should we question his character? Why should we think, well, he might not come through this time? Why should we? We have no reason to. Is that right? It's unreasonable that we would doubt God who has been so faithful to us and come through for us so many times. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to go back and we're going to look at each of these ten times where these individuals uh, doubted God. Because we want to identify unbelief. Anybody want to do that with me? Huh? If you don't have a sheet of paper, you lift up your hand, and I want you to make a list. And what kind of list are we going to be making? 
What is unbelief? I want you to make a, a list of characteristics of unbelief. I'm going to name off several of them to you, and we're going to see that they're consistent. And I'm telling you, it'll help you to keep this list, to hang on to it and begin to look at Some of you might not hurt you to post it up somewhere and just read it off once in a while and check yourself. Am I doing any of these things? Because we know if we don't walk by faith, we're going to be defeated. Is that right? And unbelief is a subtle thing. Did you know that? You know you can mess around and slip into unbelief. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've walked with God. I know a few years ago, I was turning the corner down here, beginning to get on the Broken Air Expressway, and I was thinking about some things and something that I had supposedly been believing God for for a while, and it just dawned on me. And I realized, I, I just thought to myself, Keith, you're in doubt. You're, doubt. you're doubting. And I just had to be humble enough to say, well, you know, that's right. I am. And get yourself by the nap of the neck and say, quit that. Quit that. Quit being negative. Quit being pessimistic. Quit being discouraged. You see, straighten up. Get out of that doubt and start believing. Because you know that you doubt and you do without. You doubt and you go down. You understand? I hope you understand what I'm talking about. You, I've already said to you, if you refuse to believe, God will let you go to hell. I'm talking about if you just refuse to accept Jesus and refuse to believe. Well, as a Christian, you're saved, all right, but if you refuse to believe, God will let you experience failure. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to hell. You are saved because you're believing in that area. But if you don't believe in another area, God will let you fail. Did you hear me? If you won't believe him, he will let you fail. And it won't be his fault. It'll be your fault. Because nobody has to doubt. There's no excuse for doubting. Y'all all get quiet when I say that, but I'm telling you, there's no excuse for it. Now, you've done it, I've done it, and you've sinned and missed it, and I've sinned and missed it, but there's no excuse for it. Thank God there's forgiveness for it. God will forgive us and cleanse us, but to make excuses for it is wrong, wrong, wrong. Nobody ever has to, I'm talking especially us, you know, none of us ever has to doubt. We can believe in any situation if we just will. So let's go, let's go first to Exodus 14, and let's begin looking in Exodus 14, and we're going to look at one by one ten different incidents. Because the Lord said that they had tempted him ten different times, didn't he? And that tenth time was at Kadesh Barnea, and he said, enough's enough. I'm tired of your doubt and unbelief. You're going to have just what you've been saying out of your unbelieving mouth. And uh, they had it. And we want to see what unbelief is to make sure that we don't have any of the ugly rank stuff in us. Is that right? Have you found Exodus 14 yet? Have you got your list? What? At the top of it, you can write unbelief. Right? Unbelief is dot, dot, dot. Unbelief is, or un, you know, unbelief does, or whatever. We'll, we'll be looking at a lot of different things. But then we're going to make us a list down through here of what unbelief sounds like and looks like and operates like so that we see it and know and be able to identify the stuff so that we don't let it thrive in us. In Exodus, 
The 14th chapter is one of the first substantial places that you'll see uh, them tempting God and see them doubting God. Now, uh, they doubted before this. You understand? <laughs> they, they doubted before this. But this is after God has shown them his mighty works in Egypt and delivering them. Do you know that God expects more out of those he's done more for? Do you know that? Those that he has answered prayer and moved for and done things for them, he expects them to believe more than people who hadn't seen, who don't know. Expects everybody to believe, but he expects those who've known and experienced to believe more and be stronger, quicker to believe. And uh, when God sent Moses to Egypt to tell Pharaoh, let my people go, well, when he did, Pharaoh got harder on them. You remember that? Kept, them, kept back their straw and made them go find straw, plus keep up their quota of bricks. And, and oh, they, the, the people of Israel, they got into gross unbelief. They came and they said, oh, Moses, what'd you do to us? Well, yeah, you keep it, you bothered us. You, you're causing problems. Yeah, he's, he's, he's trying to get them delivered. But you can see what kind of people they are right from the start. But somebody said, well, why didn't you count that? Because that's before God showed them his mighty works. Are you listening? And I start counting here after God has shown them all his works there in Egypt, all the judgments and how he brought them out. Now, how many know that by this time, you ought to be believing? Is that right? <laughs> I mean, all those things that happened in Egypt, among them, when, uh, when the uh, hailstorms came through Egypt, it stopped on the border of the land of Goshen. It was pitch dark in Egypt and the sun was shining bright in Goshen. Is that right? All these, I mean, a lot of these things happened, you know, and it didn't, didn't bother anything in Goshen. And that last plague particularly, where, where the firstborn in every house died, except not in Goshen, not in the Israelites. How many know that after all of that, you ought to be a believer? Is that right? If you're going to believe, you ought to be believing by now. You ought to be thinking, hey, God's good. God can protect me. God can take care of us. Calamity can be at our right hand or our left hand, but it won't come near us because God's for us and protecting us. So they should have learned a few things by now, right? But did you think they did? No, they didn't. So let's look at here at where I believe is one of the first major times that they really doubted God and tempted God when they should not have done so. They should have known better. In Exodus... The uh, 14th chapter, you know what has happened. God has just delivered them out of Egypt. And uh, as, as they're uh, leaving, you see, and they've gone a few days' journey here, then God hardened Pharaoh's heart again. Pharaoh hardened his own heart. The Bible uses both phrases. And uh, he said, why did we let these people go? How many know that's an ignorant statement? You're having funerals through all the land. Is that right? Judgments have, about, have ruined half your crops and most all your trees and everything. I mean, the country's almost ruined. And he says, why do we let them go? 
How many know that sin can blind you and you can't see the nose on your face? You can't see your hand on your nose. You know what I'm saying? You, so blind. But he said, why do we let them go? Come on, let's go get them. So they all took off, all of Pharaoh's army. And uh, in verse 10, chapter 14 of Exodus, when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes. Everybody say eyes. And they beheld, behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid. Everybody say afraid. They were afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore have you dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Now, does that sound like faith to you? That's not faith, is it? What is this? This is doubt. This is unbelief. Is there any reason we should expect better out of these people? Huh? Absolutely. They should have done better. Is that right? Why should they have done better? Huh? Yeah, where you guys been the last five minutes? Why, why should we expect these people to have acted different from this? They had seen God's wonders and His miracles. In Egypt, before their eyes, they had seen God's protection and delivering power and miracle-working power right in front of their eyes. But now, as soon as there came up another test of their faith, what'd they do? Oh, they fell apart, you know. Panicked. Started griping, blame-shifting. All kind of, is that right? All kind of things. One thing that we'll see and you can put this on your list, unbelief or doubt is moved by what it sees. It's moved by what it sees. Now, when I say moved by what it sees, I mean it's moved more by what it sees than by what God has done or said. They were, weren't they? Could these people have re reacted any differently? Could they? Sure they could. What should they have done? They should have trusted in God. How, how should they have talked? They could have all looked back and saw Pharaoh coming. They could have looked at the Red Sea and could have, you know, well, you can't go back. You can't go forward. You better look up. Is that right? You, you, can't, you, can't, you better look up. Is that right? And what should, they, what should they have said? Listen to what David... How many believe David was a man of faith? David, the King David, you see. You remember what he said when he faced Goliath? You hear how faith talks. I'm showing you a contrast. What did he say when he faced Goliath? He said, God delivered me out of the hand of the bear. God delivered me out of the hand of the lion. And he will deliver me out of the hand of this uncircumcised Philistine. That's how faith talks. How does doubt talk? Oh, we're going to die. We're going to die. Oh, God, what are we going to do? 
What'd you bring us out here for to die? I told you to leave me alone. We said leave us in Egypt. Quit bothering us. Can you hear? I don't just want you to see the mechanics. I want you to discern the difference between the spirit of doubt and the spirit of faith. I don't just want you. I want you to get some characteristics here, but we're working for a larger end. I want you to, to be able to distinguish and discern between the, the actual spirit of doubt and spirit of faith. Somebody, somebody said, is there such a thing? The Bible talks about the spirit of faith. Don't you remember that over in 2 Corinthians? Uh, the fourth chapter says, We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So you can tell so much about a person's believing by their what? By their speaking, by what they say. And we can tell by what these folk are saying that they have no faith. What should they have said? They should look back and thought, well, Pharaoh's stupid. Is that right? I mean, he, hadn't he learned that God is God? God delivered us from the hail. He delivered us from the plague. He delivered us from the darkness. He delivered us from this. And he didn't bring us out here to kill us. He delivered us. He told us we're going to the Canaan's land. We're not in Canaan's land. So he's got to get us out of this some way. Is that right? Amen. And you sh they should have looked up and started believing God. God, our, our fate's in your hands. We're looking to you. You'll deliver us. You'll put us over. Is that right? Faith. Do you hear how faith talks? How faith talks. So notice here, for one thing, on your list of, of what unbelief is, for one thing, unbelief is moved by what it sees. They lifted up their eyes, and they saw Pharaoh coming. And then another thing that's going to happen, if you walk by sight, you're going to fear. This is the second characteristic of unbelief. A person who's operating in doubt will be afraid. They will fear. And uh, not just be afraid, but even panic. Can you, can you see, can you hear that they're virtually in a panic here? Virtually in a panic. Fear, uh, see if, excuse me, if you, if you walk by what you see and are moved by what you see, you will be afraid. You'll be afraid. Is that right? If you're afraid of something, it's because of what you're looking at and thinking about. If you change what you're looking at and thinking about, you can move from fear to faith. Fear actually makes you subject to bondage. Hebrews uh, 2 talks about it. How that through fear of death, they were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Fear is actually a, form, a perverted form of faith. If you're in faith, you're expecting good things to happen. You're expecting things to turn out good. If you're in fear, you're expecting things to turn out bad. Why be afraid if you're believing things are going to turn out good? But why do you fear? Come back to that. Though. Why would you be afraid? Because of what you're looking at and because of what you're thinking about. 
If you're afraid that you're going to die prematurely, if you're afraid that you're going to fail financially, if you're afraid in any of those areas, then it's because of what you're looking at and thinking about. You're, you're looking at, at your symptoms and you're thinking about the doctor's report or the diagnosis or the prognosis, which is easy to do. But that's unbelief. And if you're, if you're in doubt, what's going to happen? You can go down. You can fail. And it won't be God's fault. How can I get out of fear and get into faith? Well, you've got to quit looking at the wrong thing. You've got to begin to look at what God told you. You've got to begin to think about that. Amen. You've got to get off the negative and get on the positive. Now, these are not just things that will help you. I'm not just talking about a state of mind that will, can help you in some things. No, I'm talking about faith that can actually heal your body. Sometimes people talk about, well, you know, the mind, yeah, the mind can play a part and help a lot. No, 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 no. I'm talking about faith that can absolutely change the situation around completely. The power is there in the believing. Jesus told people that were healed in his ministry, he said, your faith has made you whole. But you can't look at the wrong thing and think about the wrong thing and talk about the wrong thing and stay in faith. You've got to look at the right thing. Now, notice what else unbelief does. They were, they were looking, moved by sight. They were scared. They were afraid. And also, when they began to talk, they said to Moses, they said, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you took us away to die in the wilderness? Now, is that negative? Huh? <laughs> Here's another characteristic of doubt. Doubt is negative. Unbelief is negative. Now, there's a popular form of negativism. When I say popular, I mean it's popular in use. And that is sarcasm. Does this sound kind of sarcastic here? Huh? They said, what? what was it, Moses? There weren't enough graves in Egypt? You had to bring us out here to die. That's, that's negative. That's sarcastic, isn't it? And they're talking about dying. Aren't they? They're not talking about deliverance and victory, are they? They're not being positive. They're being negative. Have you ever been negative? Have you ever talked negative? What was that? Unbelief. Is that good or bad? Bad. <laughs> What'll happen when you doubt? You do without. You'll fail. You'll fall if you don't change. Right? It won't be God's fault. It'll be your fault. Negative. I despise negativism. I despise it. I just, I don't like it, you know. I just about soon you cuss around me as to talk negative. About the same thing. I'm serious. I'd almost rather hear some slang than some negative doubt and unbelief. Amen. 
Because some slang words, what do they mean? Just stuff that people bounce around, just crude talk. You know, it's, it's, it's not nice. You don't, you don't like to hear it. Sometimes it's slanderous. People calling people names, that kind of stuff. But what I'm talking about, unbelief, can, can ruin you. Negative. Negative. And you know, a lot of it's what you get in the habit of. If your mom and dad's negative and you grew up in a negative home, then you're going to be negative. Unless you really work at it. And God can help you. You can get your mind renewed if you really work, work at it. If you watch what you say and practice, it won't be easy. You have to work on it. But it eventually, it'll become normal for you to be positive. And you get used to it and it's just normal for you. You know? This ministry is a very positive ministry. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to me how sometimes students will come, especially like for their first year. A lot of times they won't go home till Christmas time. So they've been here for several weeks, you see, getting a lot of positive input. And a lot of times because the change is coming slowly, people don't realize that they are changing. And they're getting more positive. It's, it doesn't just happen all in a lightning bolt flash, but it's happening day after day. Week after week, it's happening. And when I say people are getting more positive, what's another way of saying that? Their faith is growing, and they're, being more, they're getting more in faith, operating more in faith. And sometimes people will go home and they'll say, what happened to this bunch around here? Everybody's so negative. Well, nothing happened to them. Something happened to you. They're the same as they were, and you're getting more positive. You're growing. I've, had, I've heard people say that several times, you know. Man, well, so nobody, I went home and visited my family and friends. Everybody's so negative. I don't know why they, how they got so negative so quick. <laughs> but see, the thing is, if you're negative, you don't notice people being negative. Because that's, you, you know, you, you, that's the way you think it's supposed to be. That's the way you are. So it's not surprising to you that other people are the same way. How many understand the world we live in is negative with a capital N? Yeah. Negative, negative, negative. Negative. I mean, you don't have to look far to find somebody prophesying doom and destruction. Is that right? Whether they claim to be religious or not, is not I mean, that doesn't make any difference. Everybody will prophesy doom for you. Is that right? Oh, this is happening, and this is bad, and this is getting bad, and this is getting worse. And oh, it's, you know, negative, 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 negative. Why are people so negative? Because they have no faith, or very little faith. Faithless. Isn't that what Jesus said on one occasion? He said, oh, faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? And the Bible says, when the Son of Man returns, shall he find faith? I know a lot of places he won't find it because I've heard how they talk and they, it's not faith. But I want him to find it with us. Amen. Is that right? To make sure he find it with us. Now, there's people all over the world that believe him. Don't you misunderstand me. We can't control everybody, but we can see that we believe him. That we're positive. 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 It's easy to get negative, isn't it? Because the world all around you is negative. And all you got to do is just slip in, start talking with them and like they do and emphasizing what they do, and you'll be negative. It's, it's, all you got to do to be negative is nothing. Just go with the rest of the crowd and you'll be negative. 
But to be positive, you almost got to swim upstream. Is that right? <laughs> and as you're swimming upstream, you'll, you'll bump into logs and sticks floating downstream. And, and you know, people say, what's wrong with you? Why do you think like that? I, I've actually heard people say, he's so optimistic, it just makes me sick. <laughs> and a lot of times people try to justify their negativism by saying, well, yes, but I'm just a realist. I'm sorry, you, you know, you call yourself an optimist, but you're just a dreamer. You just live in a dream world, in a fairy tale world. I live in the real world. <laughs> no, you live in a world of doubt and a world of unbelief, which is a world of defeat. There are people on this planet that are experiencing a miserable life. No question about that. But that's not everybody. There are also people on this planet that are experiencing tastes of heaven. Amen. Blessings galore. Amen. I already made up my mind which one I'm going to be. Amen. 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 And I'm not going to feel guilty about it either. Amen. I'm going to do everything I can to help other people and tell them they can have it. But if, if they refuse to believe, I, I can't make them. But I'm going to believe. And I'm going to have it good. Now, sure, the devil's around. He's going to attack. And he, there's going to be tests and trials. But if you'll, if you'll have faith and never, and never get negative and don't doubt and believe and just always stay positive, God's told you he'd always cause you to triumph. Always. Always. All the time. But now that presupposes that you're going to believe all the time. Amen. Because, I mean, you know, triumph is victory. And the Bible said this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Faith is positive. Doubt is negative. Are they being positive or negative? Are they looking on the bright side or the, the, the dark side? No, brother, they can't find anything. You know, they're, they're not, there's not a positive note about what they said. So sarcastic. Why'd you bring us out here to kill us in the, in the desert? There's not enough cemeteries in Egypt, I guess. Now, isn't, that, isn't that negative? Isn't that negative? Yeah. Have you ever heard Christians talk negative? Charismatics, even. Hmm? <laughs> I'm not asking for testimonies. <laughs> I just want to know if you had heard. <laughs> People talk negative about the church, don't they? Negative, 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 negative. They don't talk about the good things, they just talk about the bad things. Well, there was a mistake here, and why don't they do this, and how come they didn't take care of that, and, and why hadn't they already done this? Yeah, but what are they doing? What are they doing? See, if you're a faith person, you stay on the positive. Well, what is what's going good? What's happening? If you're full of unbelief, you stay on the negative all the time. Amen? And our country, I know our country's got some problems, but we've got a lot of good things going on too. At least we're not dodging bullets out in the street every day. Not standing in a line all day long trying to get a cup of rice. Is that right? I mean, God's blessed us. We, we're blessed. We're blessed. Not having to hide somewhere to read our Bible. I mean, 
You know what I'm saying? Oh man, we're blessed. We we got we we got something we can work with here. Oh yeah, and God's got something He can work with. If we'll pray and believe God, God will prosper this place and He'll sustain it for our sakes. Amen. He'll deal with people, people in positions of government and authority. If we'll pray and believe God, they might be ready to do the wrong thing. And right in the middle of it, that God will just arrest them. And they'll go, I don't know, but no, I can't do that anymore. i got to do this. And the media may remark, you know, strange phenomena. Turn, you know, so-and-so turns in 180 degrees. And decides to do this instead of this. And we just go, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Looking out for us. Looking out for us. Amen. I pray, when I pray about the, for the country and what have you, and our leaders, I pray uh, many times relative to the church. Amen. Because, you know, that's, that's what God's interested in. Lord, you know, uh, any laws that are against the church and the function of the church, I pray that they'd be repealed. That, that, that you know, that it'd be taken off the books. And any laws that need to be passed that help us and prosper us. Give people ideas and, you know, cause the words of those who support you to rise and be strong. Anybody that would rise up and speak against the church, cause their words not to be heard. Fall, fall to the ground. If there's anybody in there that won't hear you and won't obey you and you can't use them, may they be removed. Amen. If anybody there that you can use, Lord, surround them with godly counsel. Teach them. Use them. Amen. Amen. Be positive. Not negative. Be positive. 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 You know, when you get sick, you get attacked with something. It's real easy to be negative, isn't it? It's real easy to be negative. I mean, you can just have something wrong with one finger. And if you're not careful, you, get, you can get negative. You can focus in on that. And you can think, you know, i got nothing going right for me. My finger won't work. Well, maybe it's a problem. Maybe, maybe it's bothering you. But what about the other nine? This working good. I mean, you got more working than it's not. What about the toes? What about the knees and the elbows? And the, you understand? And you might say, well, i got several things wrong with me, so it's been attacked with me. Yeah, but I bet you've got a lot of things that's, go, that's working. I know you've got something working, and you wouldn't be sitting in here looking at me. You must have a heartbeat. Your lungs must be working. You, is that right? Your brain's probably working some, at least. Right? Can you, could you find anything to be positive about? It's the positive people that make it. It's the positive people that are successful. Amen. It's the positive people that God can help and work with. They were so negative. Now, notice something else here. They said, they said, uh, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you took us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore have you dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Now here's another thing that unbelief does. Unbelief blames others. Unbelief blames others for its problems. Aren't they trying to blame Moses? They're not just trying, they're blaming him. They're saying, it's your fault. If you'd left us alone, we'd have been all right. But no, you had to come over there and, and tell Pharaoh to let us go. You know, these people are, are obviously lacking in character. 
They really are. Because I guarantee you that just a few days ago, when they came out of Egypt, all of them healed. The Bible said there's not one feeble person among their tribe. Brought them out with silver and gold. They're rich. They got on fine garments. They got on big rings and jewelry. They got gold in their pockets. They're free men and women. But just a few days later, listen how they talk. Listen how they speak. Oh, she just left us in Egypt. We told you to leave us alone. Negative. Negative. Blaming him. They said, verse 12, is not this the word that we told you in Egypt? Didn't we tell you, let us alone, that we can serve the Egyptians? They said, for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. What are they expecting to do? Die in the wilderness. And what were they telling? They said, we told you to leave us alone. Now, that's not completely true. Is it? They could have stayed if they wanted to, couldn't they? Huh? I'm sure they could have. If they could have said, well, no, you know, I like being a slave. I'm just, y'all go ahead. Uh, I'm going to stay. No, they, they evacuated the whole lot, stock, and barrel. I mean, they were, they were ecstatic to get out of there. See, unbelief is again and again connected with hypocrisy and deception. Not being honest. I mean, if you're just going to be an honest and responsible man, you, could, you should just stand there and say, well, <laughs> I went with them. You know, it was my choice. And I wanted to go and I don't regret it. And if I got to face Pharaoh's army, well, I made my choice. At least be a man, be a woman, don't blame it on somebody else. Nobody hauled them out of there. Nobody drove them out with a stick. Nobody handcuffed them and drug them out. They went out rejoicing. People are so dishonest, aren't they? Oh, yeah, man, when everything's going good, yeah, they blow the trumpet the loudest. They shout and jump the highest, but then it starts getting bad and sour. They turn and start blaming, blaming others. That shows what kind of character they have. Is that right? I've seen Christians. It's a shame. It's a shame. But I've seen Christians on the job in, in a place of business. And somebody messed up. And instead of being a man, being a woman, and admitting that you're the one that did it, blame shift and even lie. Let somebody else take the heat. Now, what kind of character is that? There's people that are supposed to be Christians talking tongues. You say charismatics. You need to be responsible, don't you? You need to stand up. If you blew it, you need to stand up and say, I did it. The boss man comes in, he's mad. He says, who did this? Stand up. Be a man. Be a woman. Say, I did it. I did it. And don't add anything to it. Don't say, well, I did it. But so-and-so, if they hadn't... No, 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 no. See how many times people do that? See, that has, that, that, that's the devil. That's the nature of the devil. And it's been, it's been imparted to the flesh of fallen humanity 
You see it from the very Garden of Eden. As soon as Adam and Eve fell, they started doing that, didn't they? I mean, the very moment when God called Adam and said, Where are you? Where are you? And he finally found it. He said, You know, who told you you was naked? Did you eat the fruit? What did he say? Was he a man about it? Did he, did he stand up and say, Yeah, I did. There's no excuse. I did it. There's a lot of weak people around, isn't there? Weak. Weak, weak morally. Weak spiritually. Now, what did he do? He said, he said the woman you gave me. <laughs> See, he's, he's blaming on her, and he's trying to blame it on God a little bit. If she hadn't, if she hadn't have done it, and, and if you hadn't given it to me. But did God accept that? Did, that? did he buy that? No, no. Adam got judged. Is that right? Then when he asked the woman, he said, did you do that? What'd you do? She said, she's that serpent. That serpent. <laughs> and I'm sure when he got to the serpent, the serpent was looking for somebody to point to. <laughs> but there wasn't nobody to point to. <laughs> you understand? I'm sure the devil would be pointing to somebody if he could, but nobody he can point to. And really, truthfully, again and again, there's nobody we can point to, except right here. Amen. That's something that aggravates me. If, you know, if you're dealing with a situation where there's a goof up or mess up, and people blame shift and even lie. I mean, how many Christians will lie? There were not two, but Christians will just stand there and look at you and lie. Tell you a bald-faced lie. I mean, you know what a bald-faced lie is. I mean, <laughs> I tell you what, even if I, if, if I tried to lie, I, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't pull it off, you know. I just, you can tell people that lie all the time. They're good at it. <laughs> they, can, they can look at you and lie and not bad an eye. Just, you know. Did you do it? No. Uh-uh. No. No, I didn't do it. And they did. But you can also tell somebody that doesn't lie. They look down and they go, Did you do it? No. Say what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but did you do it or not? Uh, 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 no, no, uh, not really. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. But the guy or the woman that can just look at you smooth as silk and lie like they're eating candy, they've done it. They've practiced it. Is that right? They've been doing it for a while, and they've got serious heart problems. And I wish I was just talking about sinners. I'm talking about Christians. How many Christians can, can lie? Now, if they'd follow the Holy Ghost, they wouldn't. If they'd follow what they got on the inside, they never would. But you can yield to the flesh. And boy, when the, when the, when the light is on the flesh, what will the flesh try to do? It's going to squirm. Is that right? It's going to try to find somebody to point to. It's going to try to make up a story. But you know, the problem with lying is you tell one lie, and then you've got to tell two to cover that one. And you've got to tell four to cover those three. Is that right? 
and lies are never consistent, so your stories are never matching exactly, and, and you just keep digging the bigger hole. Where, where does it end? The devil's a liar. And he's the father of it. And if you lie, you're yielding to him, and you're speaking his language. And that's serious, isn't it? That's very, very serious. Now notice something here we said to you that uh, unbelief tries to blame others. Unbelief is negative. Unbelief is sarcastic. Here's something else you need to see. Unbelief looks back. Unbelief looks back. It looks back to the past. It looks back. Whereas faith looks forward. This is a great truth here. Unbelief looks back. Faith looks forward. Go with me to Ecclesiastes, if you would. I want you to notice this scripture. Ecclesiastes, the seventh chapter. Hold your place there in Exodus if you haven't already lost it. Ecclesiastes 7. Notice verse 10. Ecclesiastes 7.10. Ecclesiastes 7.10. He said, Say not thou. And what does that mean? Don't say this. Don't say what? Don't say, What is the cause that the former days were better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. Have you ever heard anything like that in modern times? What, what, what are you really talking about? Yeah, the good old days. Now, you have to watch that, don't you? There's nothing wrong with looking back and seeing what God's done for you and thanking God for it. That's good. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. But, but what this is talking about is don't look back with longings saying, oh, I wish I could go back to that. I wish I could go back to the way it was then. I wish I could go, because that's what they were saying, wasn't it? Oh, I wish we could go back to Egypt. Why do they want to go back to Egypt? Now, as we'll see in, in case after case, they brought up all kinds of things. They said, you know, it was good with us in Egypt. It was well with us. We sat by the flesh pots and we had plenty to eat. And we had cucumbers and watermelon. And it was good in Egypt. What short memories. The people that's talking this way have got scars on their backs. Did you hear me? From being beat like an animal. Worked from daylight till dark and then some. Didn't have anything except the rags on their back. Everything they did went in somebody else's pocket. They were a non-people. Property. Is it right? But how many know the devil will lie to you? Oh, he'll try to get you to forget any of the bad things and try to get you, try to paint a romanticized idea about how it was back in the good old days. 
so that you look back and go, oh, it was so good. Oh, how I wish I could go back to that. If you talk like that, if you think like that, you are in unbelief. Let me ask you a question. Why would anybody want to go back? Why would they? I'll tell you exactly why. It's because they believe that their past is better than their future is going to be. They believe they don't have anything forward, look, anything good to look forward to that the best has already happened. And if you believe that, then you believe a lie and you're full of unbelief. Just take, just take the area of being attacked with serious sickness or serious problems. You know, let's, let's say if you've, if you've had an accident or if you've uh, had a serious disease that's left you incapacitated. Certainly, you could be tempted to look back and say, Oh, I wish, you know, I wish I could go back to when... All my organs worked. I wish I could go back to when I had this or when I had this. I had to use my hand or my leg or, or whatever. But see, the only reason you do that is because you don't believe that you have anything to look forward to tomorrow. Did you hear me? And you doubt your God. That He can give you a tomorrow that will put yesterday in the shade. Can He do it? I said, can he do it? Yeah. Same thing with relationships. Oh, when I was with them, it was so wonderful. I just wish I could go back to when... No, you don't. No, you don't. Is, is, is God, has done, God done his best already? Hmm? I mean, has God hit his peak? Has God peaked? Back in the 50s? What? Are we coasting downhill now? I mean, is it all going to be... <laughs> I, have, I have heard people talk like that in the world and in the church. Oh, well, you know, the best is behind us. Oh, yeah, the best of life in America is, is behind. That was back, you know. It's already happened. Oh, yeah, the greatest moves of God have already happened. Oh, yeah, the all, you know, the greatest healings and miracles and the greatest, you know, those things. We, we've really already seen it, you know, the church, you know, the world's really already, I've heard people say the, the, the world's really already been evangelized and there's really already, you know, uh, we're just kind of in a stabilizing mode till, till the Lord comes. <laughs> well, you can believe that lie if you want to. <laughs> But it is a lie. Capital L. Lie. If you believe the truth, then you won't look back. Because you know that back uh, can't compare with what's in front of you. Oh, I hope you're listening, friends. I hope you're listening. Because I know, I know God's dealing with some people about some things right here in this room today. Because you've been looking back. I said, you've been looking back. Some might say, well, yeah, but Brother Keith, you don't understand. I'm older now. I've already experienced my prime. I've already... Says who? 
Now physically you may be getting older. But your last days can be your best days. Hallelujah. In experience of life. In enjoyment of the things of God. And in service and usefulness. You can do more in your latter years for God than you've done in the former. God can use you in a greater way. The only thing that limits you in days to come is your own unbelief. That's the only thing. Because I'm telling you, God has not done His best. He's not done everything. I mean, He's just getting this thing ready to really do some things. Amen. Oh, I'm telling you, sometimes I get a sense of what God is preparing, what God is doing in my spirit, and it's just about too big. You think you're going to explode. You think, glory to God. What? You, know, you don't know it with your head, but you sense it with your heart. You get a sense of it. And, and all you can do is just shout and praise God. Talk in tongues. <laughs> I get a sense sometimes of the blessings that God's got planned for me personally. You should too. And you know, sometimes, you know, you go along for a while just walking by faith. But then sometimes you begin to sense, hey, I'm closer to some things now than I was. Won't be long. God's going to do some things in this area or in this area or in the other area. Go back. I wouldn't go back for large amounts of money. Wouldn't even think about it. No, 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 no. My best days are ahead. And yours are too, if you just believe. Yeah, but you don't understand, Brother Keith. I, you know, I had money and I had nice things. And, and, and I was young and felt good. And, and I was, I was, I was. You're looking back. If you look back, you have sealed your fate to a bland future. It's not God's fault. Because how are you going to receive according to your faith? What are you expecting for your tomorrows? It'll be to you according to what you believe and according to what you expect. Don't look back. 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 Don't quit looking back. Some of you may have certain mementos and things that you need to uh, put away. You may need to throw some of them away. <laughs> I'm serious because you just sit there and look at it and long to go back to that time and wallow in unbelief. Did you hear me? Oh, if I could just go back to the way it used to be. That means you have no faith for tomorrow. You want to go back because you don't believe there's anything forward worth going to. You believe a lie. Did God have plans for him? Good things? Oh, my. They had no idea. They had a little idea, but I mean not on the scale of what he had for him. Oh, my Lord. He said, I got houses already built for you. I got orchards, vineyards, crops, ground already prepared. I mean, the fruit trees are there. They're barren. All you got to do is walk into it. Hmm? It's ready for you. Did they do it? 
No, they all wandered around out in the desert because they're negative. Always looking back to Egypt. Looking back to the way it used to be. Looking back to the good old days when I got beat every other day and was a slave and didn't have anything. I've talked to some people about the good old days before that they talked about. You know? Oh, well, you know. Oh, in the good old days. But then you begin to ask them, you know, now, now is it true that you didn't have any electricity and no running water and you nearly froze to death? Had to put so many quilts on your bed you couldn't even turn over. <laughs> Keep from freezing. And, uh, you know, you couldn't, you, you only got to eat meat once every two weeks. You only had enough flour to make some bread or biscuits once, once a month or once every week or, you know. See, people have bad memories. You understand what I'm saying? They romanticize. About that. Well, it, it, maybe it wasn't the material things, but it was just, you know, our, our state of heart and mind. Well, what kind of state of heart and mind can you have today Amen. and tomorrow? Amen. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. That's got nothing to do with time or geography. That's your heart. It's what you believe. It's how you perceive. He said, don't say why isn't it like the good old days? He, don't, he said, don't say that. Don't say that. Because you don't inquire wisely. You talk like that. You better look forward. You, if you look back, it's okay to look back and thank God for what he's done for you and where he's brought you from and all he's done for you. That's all right to look back like that. But if you look back and long to go back, then you're doubting. You're operating in unbelief and it angers God, it displeases him, it'll hold you out of the blessings. Faith looks which way? Forward. Forward. Anybody looking forward to anything? Huh? I'm telling you, friend, you don't know what God can do for you. God can make anything that happened in the past look like nothing. He can, I mean, it can be in the shadow. You think, yeah, but it was so wonderful. Yeah, but you, you don't know what God can do for you. Amen. He can make that look like nothing. Right. Yeah, but it's the best I've ever known. That doesn't mean much. You haven't been alive long. <laughs> I've been alive for 80 years. That's not long. That's nothing to God. Amen. 80 years is nothing to God. You understand that? Yeah. It's like nothing. Nothing. Hadn't seen anything. I tell you what, you know, I'm looking forward to things in this life, but I tell you, I, I can't wait to see what God's going to do when all this is wrapped up. I mean, when the whole thing... He's got a plan, you understand? He's got a plan. It is going to be so wonderful. I mean, it is just, it's beyond what we can comprehend right now. I know that. But you can sense in your heart what you can't comprehend with your head. God's got a plan, and it is going to be absolutely fabulous, spectacular. And I'm so glad I'm going to be right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of it. I wouldn't go back. Dear Lord, I don't know why people talk like that. I wouldn't go back. How many would go back, to, you know, to being a teenager, those of you that are an adult? Oh, dear Lord, you know. Huh? And if you said I would, then you hadn't listened to a thing I said. No. Where's the best day? 
it's in front of you. Is that right? It's in front of you. Then why look back? Why look back? Unbelief looks back. Unbelief, like we said, is sarcastic. It's negative. It's afraid. It's moved by what it sees and feels. And notice something else here. Like we've said, they're, they're not being realistic about this because it wasn't so good in Egypt as, as they're claiming it was. Now let's, just, let's go on just a little bit further here. They, you know, in verse 13, Moses said to the people, Don't be afraid, stand still, see the salvation of God. And God fought for them. Verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, He said, Why are you crying to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. They're all boo-hooing and belly-aching and carrying on. And the living Bible said, Quit praying and get the people moving. <laughs> Quit talking and carrying on and get people moving. They're talking about, why did you bring us out here to die? It was better for us then. And looking back and negative, negative. And Moses said, oh God, what are we going to do? And, and, and God said to Moses, uh, quit, be quiet, and get them moving. Get them headed forward. And when they did, God split the Red Sea. They all went across, and Pharaoh came to attack them and to kill them. And when they all got in the middle of the, of the Red Sea, the sea closed back over them. And that was the end of Pharaoh's army and the threat to their lives. Notice how quick things can change. One moment looks like certain death. Just like that, sea closed back. Now, there's no need to be afraid of any of them anymore. Is that right? And oh, they shouted. Oh, they praised God. Miriam prophesied. They pulled out their tambourines. Oh, they had victory now. Glory to God. You know how long it lasted? You know how long it lasted? Three days. Three days, lasted three days. Can we learn anything about these things today? I mean, can you see why the Lord set their examples for us? Oh, anybody can shout when God just closed the Red Sea over your enemies. I mean, you know, is that right? Anybody can act happy and be positive now. But skip on down to verse uh, 20. Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, she took a timbrel in her hand. All the women went out after her with timbrels and dances. Miriam said, Sing you to the Lord. He's triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has he thrown into the sea. Oh, they're shouting, they're glad, as they ought to be. And Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out in the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days. Everybody say three days. They went three days in the wilderness, and they found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people confessed and said, God has brought us this far, and he'll bring us on. 
If God can take care of Pharaoh and his armies, then I know he can get us some water. You'd have thought they'd have been talking like that by now. But no. What'd they do? They murmured against who? Moses. And they said, what are we going to drink? And he cried to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree. And he went on to, uh, uh, you know, uh, make an ordinance. And, and the water was turned sweet. And he made the covenant ordinance there that if they would obey him, then he would be the Lord who heals them. Notice another thing that, that in connection with unbelief, blaming others. Unbelief puts pressure on people to solve its problems. Unbelief puts pressure on people. Faith never puts pressure on people. Faith never manipulates or puts pressure on people. Faith is believing God, so it's not looking to people. But doubt and unbelief will put pressure on people. When they didn't have anything to drink, what'd they do? They started getting on Moses. Moses, what are we going to drink? Well, is Moses God? No. But they put pressure on him. And see, you see that all the time. You see it all the time. When things are not going right, people get ready to stone the leaders. Is that right? Oh, yeah. And why do people get so ready to stone the leaders so much? Because they have no faith. I said they have no faith. Yeah. They get negative. Well, it's all your fault. If you'd have done this, or if you hadn't done this. Where's the water at, Moses? What are we going to drink? Moses, I'm thirsty. My wife is thirsty. My kids are thirsty. My cows are thirsty. And my camels are thirsty. And my goats are thirsty. And my dog is thirsty. Now you give us something to drink. What's he going to do? Jump out there and go, voila, and there's a well in the desert? I said doubt and unbelief will put pressure on people. You do something for me. Oh, I felt it as a minister. People trying to pressure me. Will you, will you do it? You take care of this. Show me what to do. Pray for me. Do this. Do that. But no man is the healer or the savior or the deliverer. Is that right? We can join our faith with one another. But uh, if you look to a man or a woman, you try to make them your provider. You try to make them your healer. Make them your uh, savior, deliverer. You have missed it. You're, you're, you're wrong. Of course, you know, uh, a lot of times people come wanting to see Brother Hagin. And uh, I've seen people that, that wanted to talk to him, wanted to ask him, wanted to get with him. And, and sometimes they, if, if they did, which is not that often, you know, if they did, then they were disappointed because he didn't just wave a wand over their head and all their problems disappeared. Brother Hagin's not the deliverer, is he? No, no. And if you get to looking at people too much, and so not just looking at people, but people actually get to pressuring individuals. I've known situations that people that just tried to force ministers to go with them and do things. I mean, literally. 
That's no friend of mine. Some people came to get him. They're going to make him go to the hospital and do some things for a person. They're, like, they're dragging him out. The ushers had to come and, and, and intervene. Well, see, what are they doing? They're putting pressure on, on a person. You do it. You solve this for me. You do it. You know, financially, people get into that, don't they? Putting pressure on people. Trying to make people feel bad if you don't give to me or if you don't do this. or It's your fault. If I go down, it's your fault. No, if you go down, it's your fault. Amen. No, no, no. And people dropping hints and trying to lean on people. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> There's subtle ways to be to put pressure on people. Subtle ways. You know, sad eyes, sad stories, tear jerkers. You know what I'm saying? And putting pressure on people. Pressure. If you walk by faith, you put no pressure on people. You're looking to God. He can use whomever, however, wherever. That's not your business. You're looking to Him. Amen? Amen. You see people uh, that are sick putting pressures on the doctor. Well, you do this or you do that. Well, see, you, they're trying to make Him their healer. And you watch when people are in a, in a tight situation and, and if, if they don't operate in faith, then they start fussing at somebody or putting pressure on somebody. <clears throat> hmm? How many times does that happen? Just all the time. We were in an airport the other night, you know, flying back home. And there was a little holdup and it was a little time. We didn't, you know, we weren't told what was going to happen. It looked like one uh, plane was not getting there and... You know, people trying to get back. Monday morning's coming on. And so, boy, you see people go up and put pressure on those uh, people that work for the airline. Oh, man. I've never done that, and I never will. Did you hear me? I might ask a question. I might talk to somebody. But I'm not going to put pressure on them. If I am, I'm not in faith. If I start pressuring them, it's a sure sign I'm not in faith. Amen. And needless to say, God worked it out for us. We, everything worked out fine for us, great for us. We sailed in, no problem. I remember we were in a situation kind of like that. And i tell you one thing that will help you, and this might help some of you with your travels and with other things. I talk right, the best I know, about my traveling all the time. All the time. I talk, I talk good about it. You, you might think I'm just talking about what I've experienced when you hear me talk about traveling, but it's my confession. I always have good flights. I always have great connections. I always have favor. I mean, I, I, I slide in and out of places like, you know, like I was greased, you know. I'm out. I'm in. I'm out. Even when nothing else is moving, I get out. It's amazing. We have such favor. Things work for us so wonderfully. I'm not just talking about experience only. I'm talking, telling you what I believe. Amen. I confess that over me, over me and over myself, my wife and I, and our travels and those kind of things. 
You hear people saying, yeah, but I just hate to fly on this certain airline because they always mess up and they always lose my luggage and they always do. You are sowing some bad seeds, brother, sister. Man, I hate to fly through this certain city because they all, you know how they always log you up and back you up like that, you know, and I just, I hate to fly through there because, well, talk like that if you want to. But I'm going to talk the other way. The Lord showed me something a while back about that. He, he showed me you hadn't been praying about the air traffic controllers enough. You hadn't been talking about them. Because I'd talk about, Lord, you know, uh, direct the choice of the airplane and the pilot, co-pilot, navigator, and all those people. But then we got hung up on the runway lots of times, sit there for hours unnecessarily. And, and see, that's not, that's not the plane or the pilot or anything of that. That's traffic control. Is that right? How many of the devil is sneaky? I mean... He try if you don't cover something, he tries to jump in there and mess with that. Oh, but I I I, I caught that now though. We, we we pray for the air traffic controllers too. Amen. Amen. And thing is, you need to pray ahead of time. Don't wait till ten minutes before something, huh? Because a lot of times a lot of decisions have already been made. God can still help you. Don't misunderstand me. But a lot of times people are praying late on stuff. I'm still talking about being positive, am I not? Being positive. Being positive. Being positive. I know one time a whole airline was all messed up and they about shut down everything. And they had, oh man, it was such a mess. Everybody was uh, backed out and standing shoulder to shoulder and luggage everywhere trying to get in, trying to get out. And oh, people were hot. People were, oh, they were mad. They were using foul language. Yeah, I mean, it was a bad spirit in that place. <clears throat> and, 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 of course, after several of them, the people behind the counter got pretty irate, too, you know. And they got pretty short, and they got pretty uh, aggravated. And so we finally you stood in line. We finally stepped up there, and the person kind of looked at us and like, what? You know, what do you need? You know, and they're ready to get chewed out again. And we just smiled and act nice to them. And said, well, uh, we were on this flight. Obviously, it's canceled. We do need to be a certain place. If at all possible, would you please check on it and see what we can do? You know, uh, whatever you can do. Try to be as pressureless as possible. You understand what I'm talking about? You know, because we've already prayed. Lord, work something out for us. You, you, we're doing your work. We need to be there. We've got a service. Amen. Amen. You work it out for and If he's doing it and I'm depending on him to do it, then I don't have to grab somebody by the throat and talk bad to him. Is that right? <laughs> Besides it being a bad witness. I've seen some of the ugliest stuff out of people, even so-called ministers, and they didn't even have enough sense to repent over it. They, they just justified it and said, well, they're just bold. I'm just an aggressive individual. I'm just bold. I know my authority. You're just rude rude and carnal and have no faith if you have faith you're sweet and you don't put pressure on people because you trust in God you don't feel like you got to push anybody around because you trust in God you ever heard the saying it's the uh, uh, squeaky wheel that gets the grease is that how you say that squeaky wheel gets the grease or the oil what, is, what, what are they saying? Well, it's the person that makes the most noise. That's going to get what they want. That's the way of the world. I said, that's the way of the world. And yet you still see a lot of Christians trying to operate that way. 
Well, bless God, if you'll bother them enough, if you push them around enough, if you get rough enough with them, if you call them enough and harass them enough, they'll do something about it. Well, you can live like that if you want to. But that's not the way of God. That's not the way of love. It's not the way of faith. No. Now, I've had people, you know, that thought I was too laid back on stuff and thought I ought to do more and thought I ought to press more and ought to... You know, be more like this. But I tell you another thing, God's always come through for me. And I've got things that they didn't get. Oh, yeah, they pressed and they thought they got what they wanted. But then when I, when I got, when it worked for me, I got more than that. And while we, we did on that particular occasion, and this lady began to type. Of course, she's frustrated and she's upset, you know, but she's typing. But then all at once she smiled. She looked up and she said, well, this is odd. But, you know, uh, I'm going to be able to put you on this. And you'll get out, and in fact, you'll be there right on schedule, right on time. You won't even be late. We just smile and say, well, thank you, you know. Appreciate it. Of course, that made her feel better. She's able to help somebody. Made us feel better. We got our tickets walked out of there, and there's still a whole room full of people fighting. And they looked at us like they wanted to whip us because we're walking out of there. You know what I'm saying? We're going somewhere. They may not be going anywhere for the next two or three days, you know. Just recently, just recently, we were flying in from somewhere, and we made it in, and the whole plane load of folks that we were supposed to be with, they were here, that we got in at 11 o'clock that night, they got in 12 o'clock the next day. Pays to talk right, believe right, be sweet. I was going to get my car serviced one time at a place, and... Uh, the, the people that work in there was real busy, real busy, and the guys were backed up. And there were people there, and they, they were talking real short to these people that were in the uniforms, and, you know, they were greasy and mechanics and service people, and, and there were guys in there with suits and ties on, and they were just real short, you know. Uh, Boy, when are you going to get to mine, you know? And, and just, you know, pressure and this, this kind of, it's just a heated atmosphere and a bad, bad environment. And finally, I got a chance to talk to one of them. I said, uh, I said please, sir. If you have an opportunity at your convenience, would you check this particular thing on mine and you can tell me if you can or if you can't, uh, I, you know, I need this done sometime, some way. Let me know what you can do. And he looked at me. It might have been the first time he'd heard sir in a while. I don't know. He kind of looked at me funny like that. And he, uh, he looked at the other guys. He said, bring his own in right now. <laughs> I wasn't trying to bribe him. I went, I just trying to be nice. Just trying to be a Christian. One <laughs> trying to bribe him, just, just trying to be nice. Not putting any pressure on him. I've worked in, in, in situations, you know, I've handled people's money and worked in service situations, stuff like that. And I didn't appreciate it when people pressured me about something. And the Bible says, do unto others. Right? And yet, people fail to do that many, many times. They don't put themselves in that person's situation. I mean, and when you're dealing with somebody, uh, you know, in a business situation or whatever, you don't know how many times they've been chewed out that day already. Right? You, you don't know what's been going on in their life. You don't know their husband might have beat them up last night and they might have wrecked their car because they got drunk that weekend. You know what I'm saying? They may just be having a bad week. You know what I'm saying? And then they got chewed out and their boss may have come down hard on them. And it, it, you know, you don't need to come and spout off a bunch of flesh to them when you're a Christian. And you know a better way, a way of love, a more excellent way, and the way of faith.
I mean, if God's working for me, then I'm not just depending on this person. Right? Because even if they're trying to work against me, God will go around it. I'm going to be blessed one way or another. Because God's going to take care of me. Can you say amen? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.